And um, I want to say about six months ago, I was doing the laundry. I remember it like it was yesterday. <laughs> and as I was bending, all of a sudden, I got this horrible, horrible pain on my left side. And um, I couldn't move. I was on the floor. And I'll never forget because my daughter happened to be doing virtual school that day here. And she's like, oh, my God, mom, what can I do? What can I do? do mm-hmm. I was like, just call the doctor. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to What's Up, Cuz. I'm your co-host, Erica Spira. And I'm Lisa Velastro. And we've got a great episode for you guys this week. Thank you so much for sending in your questions. If you want to email us a question, it's whatsupcuzpod at gmail.com. That's whatsupcuzpod at gmail.com. So first, as always, what is the latest update? Latest update, Erica, is I'm sorry I've been MIA for a couple weeks now. Um, as you know, I went underwent some surgery. I ended up having a hysterectomy, not because I wanted one, but because <laughs> it was medically necessary. Yeah, I've heard that's that's kind of a brutal recovery. Yeah, you know what? Um, I you try to be tough. I know me. I, I try to be tough and I'm like, oh, I'm I'm gonna be fine. Mm-hmm. You know, I got no time to recover. You know, I got too much going on. Yeah, the world's back open. <laughs> yeah, world's back open. I got people to see, things to mm-hmm. do, four kids, but um. It's crazy because the couple of people I spoke to prior, they all kept saying to me, you need to take it easy. Mm-hmm. You need to just let your body heal. And I'm like, what are these people talking about? Well, they're sure were right. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> they were right. I have to say, um, first two weeks were brutal. Like, how did you feel exactly? So... Basically, um, you know, I know there's different ways of having a hysterectomy. Some people have vaginal hysterectomies. Some people have laparoscopic hysterectomies. Some people have open abdomen hysterectomies. Mm-hmm. Um, I just happen to be one of those lucky ones that have it, had an open abdomen hysterectomy. Is that the worst one? I, I, um, I, I think know. it's I think it's the most recovery one that you need the most recovery for. Oh wow! Okay. Um, so basically, just to give you a a synopsis of of why, um. The last year or so, I've been experiencing really, really painful ovulation and periods. Mm. So basically, three weeks out of the month, I'm in pain. Three weeks. Well, yeah, because by the time leading the week of ovulation, you know, you're, you're not feeling great. You're having these twinging pains. And then the week of your period and then the week in between from ovulation to period, you know, yeah. I was spotting. Yeah, so I was a mess. And I saw that through the last year or so, it was progressively getting worse. And um, I want to say about six months ago, I was doing the laundry. I remember it like it was yesterday. (laughs) And as I was bending, all of a sudden, I got this horrible, horrible pain on my left side. And um, I couldn't move. I was on the floor. And I'll never forget because my daughter happened to be doing virtual school that day here. And she's like, oh, my God, mom, what can I do? What can I do? Do Mm -hmm. I was like, just call the doctor. And I remember calling the doctor and and they were like, well, if you're in that much pain, you need to go to the emergency room. I'm like, I am not going to the emergency room infested with COVID. 
Right. I said, I've stayed clear of COVID for <laughs> over a year. Uh-huh. I'm not doing this now. So I remember the the nurse practitioner was the one talking to me on the phone. She goes, I want you to try to get into bed and take like, I don't know if it was 800 milligrams of Advil mm-hmm. and get a heating pad and call me back in three hours. So I literally crawled to my bed. Oh, my God. My daughter helping me. And um, it took the edge off the pain. But then the next day, they wanted me to go in for an ultrasound. Mm-hmm. And come to find out, I had a six centimeter cyst. Oh, wow. And um, apparently I had burst because they saw fluid in my abdomen. Yeah. It wasn't the first time that I think I've had cyst burst. I mean, this was definitely by far the most painful. But my abdomen swells up like I'm literally five months pregnant. Mm. And apparently that's from all the um, irritation from this fluid just floating in there. And it lasts for days. And it is the worst pain. And then, you know, then you have the spotting and the bleeding. And you're not even due for your period yet. So it's like... What the hell is going on? Yeah, but you didn't have to have surgery on the cyst right away? Like it's No, so what happened was it had burst, so they wanted me to come for another ultrasound in three months to see if it even though it burst, it wasn't gone. Like right. they wanted to make sure that it released all its fluid and the body took care of what it had to take care of. Well, sure enough, two months later, same thing happened again. Yeah, the same another burst. Another another episode oh of my this God. and um going for an ultrasound. So apparently the cyst that was there never disappeared. It actually regrew itself. Well, I was gonna say, was it as big as yeah. the, so still six centimeters? So it regrew itself. That's nuts. And um went for MRI and what they discovered was I had endometriosis of my left ovary with this persisting cyst and my uterus had a condition called I hope I'm saying it right adomyosis which okay. the way that they described it to me was the lining in between my uterus and the and the outer lining in in the middle was like these pocket filled all these pockets filled with like I guess blood and fluid mm-hmm. and that's why my I would swell up so much and be in pain and Basically, I said to the doctor, is this something a lot of women get or is it just luck of the trade? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And his response to me was, I hate to say it, it's luck of the trade. <laughs> yeah. I was like, cysts, I feel like, are quite common. Yeah, cysts though, are but common. Not that. Yeah. But that is not. So. Yeah, I've known a handful of people that have had the same thing of a surprise pain. They thought it was like an appendix yeah. bursting. And it's uh, for women like a cyst nine times out of ten. It is the worst. It it was worse than giving birth. Oh yeah, I had I know someone uh, not personally, but Heather McMahon is this like comedian. Uh She has a big following. She had a cyst rupture on a flight to like Scotland. Oh boy, it was like a seven hour, and it was at the beginning Mm -hmm. of the flight. She said the whole time everyone was like, "Are you sure you're not pregnant, ma'am? Like you might be going into labor." Yeah, because that's how painful it is. And she's like, "I am not pregnant. I don't know what's going on." Yeah, it's it's the worst pain in the world. I mean, as far as I've ever experienced, put it that way. Mm -hmm. So basically, um, I sat down with the doctor. Now, I don't know. You guys know my history with my breasts. Yeah. So when I was going through everything with my breasts about a year ago. 
my breast doctor recommended I go see an oncology gynecologist because ovarian cancer runs in my family. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, my grandmother did pass away at a very young age from ovarian cancer. Wow, really? She was diagnosed um, at 43. And she passed away, I believe, at 49. Mm. So between my breast issues and and everything, she wanted me to be monitored more by an oncology gynecologist rather than a regular one because, you know, they'll do the MRIs. They'll watch you better. So needless to say, I went to the doctor. He performed an MRI and found this condition. And he said, normally on a girl your age, um, if she didn't have any breast issues, what I would do is put them on birth control pills because apparently right. birth control pills helps this condition mm-hmm. because they don't want to put you into menopause. I'm 41 years old. And if history repeats itself, apparently you go by your mom. My mom was in her fifties when she hit menopause. Right. Yeah. So I have a lot, many years to go. Yeah. I had a friend in high school get cysts and she was like on the pill and we were like 14. Yeah. And it was strictly just because of that. Mm-hmm. And she had to get it removed. Yeah. It's not fun. Yeah. So um, he goes, I can't put you on any hormones. Your breast doctor will not allow it mm-hmm. because hormones is what feeds my breast lumps and more would grow. So I am not a candidate for any, any hormones whatsoever. So I can't be on birth control. I'm having these issues with these pains and and pretty much spotting and bleeding the whole month. And he said, you know, we have no other choice. So I opted for the surgery. Now, the one thing we did do, my right ovary is actually pretty healthy, believe okay. it or not. <laughs> so we, he did, he removed my uterus. He removed my left ovary. And he removed both of my fallopian tubes because studies show that ovarian cancer actually starts in the fallopian tubes. Mm. And so he preserved my right ovary so I could have my natural hormones for at least the next 10 years and um, I won't be put into menopause. And the ovary that stays though, Mm -hmm. it doesn't release eggs at all? That's the part that I was always like confused about. I know someone with like one ovary, the other one got taken out. I don't, it doesn't because I believe the eggs are released and they have to travel into a fallopian tube. If right. I, if like I, the uterus is giving it the signal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. I, I'm not a doctor, but I just. I maybe. It definitely probably maybe is producing eggs, but there's nowhere to go mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. Because from what I understood is I have to still be monitored every three months for my ovary because this ovary could start developing cysts now. Oh, jeez. And, I mean, I don't know much about yeah, the female reproductive system, <laughs> but where, I mean, a sister formed, I guess, through hormones? Mm-hmm. I'm not really sure. But yeah, good I question. Don't, I, I don't know what makes someone get a cyst first knock at one. I don't, <laughs> I don't really think there is a correlation because it's, it's so common, first of all. It is so common. I think it just means, I, I think it just, the problem is in how big it gets. And yeah. if it, you know, if the body takes care of it or if it just keeps growing, mm-hmm. I think that's where the problems occur. But- we preserved my right ovary. I had my surgery, but um, it's crazy because a week after my surgery, or I want to say maybe like four or five days after, I was experiencing these night sweats Ugh. that I've never in my life would oh have ever dreamed of, known what they were. But when I tell you, Erica, I was getting up a couple of times. First of all, I wasn't even sleeping much because that's how bad they are. Yeah. I couldn't sleep. When I tell you drenched, like 
like it felt like I was getting out of a swimming pool and going into my bed. Sheets were soaked. My oh hair my was like I get out of the shower. I had I was literally sleeping in nothing. Literally Ugh. nothing. Yeah, I couldn't. Ugh. And I was like, what the hell is going on? That I after the third night, I called my doctor. I said, something is wrong. Mm-hmm. So apparently, because they left one ovary, sometimes what happens is the ovary goes to sleep and it needs some time to wake itself up to start oh compensating for both ovaries. Oh, no. So um, so the ovary is asleep and that's why this is happening. Yes. Okay. So, but I have to be honest, it's starting to get better. Okay. And uh, like there's hope, hope so. for me. Oh, my God. And that's it. So they say it takes about eight weeks for all the hormones and, and your body to heal 100 percent so we'll see we're gonna take it one day at a time i mean i'm feeling great and uh that's it we'll 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 see where uh the road takes me i do have um uh, mri scheduled for october to see my breast issues (laughs) and uh We'll see where that rotates yeah, me. And down anywhere else. Yeah. Uh, well, I was going to say, so were, you, were the people you know right? Like, could you really just not really move? For the first week, I could not move. Ugh. Yeah. So tough. You know what was the worst pain, too, after the recovery is um, gas pockets. So I guess because your abdomen is open yeah. and there's air and stuff getting in there. I had a pocket, a gas pocket that was lodged underneath my rib cage uh, for two days oof. that I could not even take a deep breath because every oh, really? time I would breathe, it would hurt so bad. What can and you do to get rid of them? Anything? or they Walk just... around. Walk and around. Walk uh. around. Walk around. I mean, I was popping gas X pills. Yeah, I was going to say, like, can you take gas X? Does that help? Oh, my gosh. Um, And it has nothing to do with, you know, going to the bathroom after because went to the bathroom fine after Mm -hmm. it's just this gas pocket must have been lodged in between my ribs and other organs that it could not get itself out and that was pretty bad that pain that's brutal yeah actually it was so bad that the doctor thought that because i had to stay in the hospital for a couple days he actually thought i was having a gallbladder attack because mm. apparently sometimes when you have this type of surgery, the gallbladder goes into shock. Oh, God. So he wouldn't release me until I had an ultrasound on my gallbladder. Because that's how bad the pain was. Ugh. But thank God it wasn't the gallbladder. The, the ultrasound tech was like, there's a huge gas pump. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God. I never thought gas could be so oh, painful. Man. I was, was going to say, with those sweats, did you sleep in your room? Did you kick Buddy out? <laughs> like, and I didn't kick him out. I was in my room. He helped oh, me out a lot, so I, I I needed his help. The sweating is just the worst. Yeah, I, I'll never forget one morning. <laughs> he woke up, and I, I literally slept with nothing. Uh-huh. And I get up out of bed, and he did a double take. He's like, you have no clothes on. I'm like, <laughs> don't talk to me. You don't even know what I went through last night. <laughs> it's so, this is a preview of menopause, honey. <laughs> yeah. I, I was like, this sucks. I can't believe this is happening to me. Yeah. Oh, my God. But it, it did get better. It gets better. I have to say it does get better. Yeah. Like the things women go through, man. Hey, let's look at the positives, Erica. <laughs> I don't ever have to get a period ever again no. in my life. I know. It's like, I mean, or you calculate all the period pains you went through your whole life. It's like, all right, 
Does it equal this two weeks of pain I just had to go through? Yes, no, maybe. Yeah. Who knows? But well. Listen, I'm just happy that I was able to preserve my one ovary because this is another nerve-wracking thing. Going into the surgery, I had to sign consent forms that if the doctor went in and saw that my right ovary was also diseased, mm-hmm. that he was going to take everything out. Yeah. And I was like, and I, you know, again, I'm one that I need like four different opinions. So before <laughs> my surgery, I went for four different opinions. Uh-huh. And everyone was like, it's crucial that you need to leave your right ovary. You have to leave your okay. right ovary. Right. So I was a nervous wreck because once you sign consent forms yeah. and and you don't, you're going into surgery knowing what you want, but you're leaving it in, in the hands of your surgeon. Mm-hmm. Because again, if he goes in there and sees something wrong, you don't want him to leave it in there right? as much as you want to keep your ovary, but it's in his hands. Mm-hmm. So I was a nervous wreck, signed consent forms. The doctors saw how nervous I was. So all I remember is they put something in my IV and this was- Oh, the little shot. I don't know what it was, but like this was- before you go to the room, right? Before, yeah, before I went oh, to the I've room. Oh, I've had this shot and it's knocked me out. I don't, I don't even remember even going remember. in the room. Yep. <laughs> I do not even. I remember like 10 people coming into the room. Uh-huh. I saw the anesthesiologist come put something in my IV and I swear to you, I remember nothing else. Like you were in the operating room or no. in the waiting? I, yeah. In the room prior to the yep. operating room. I don't even know what the operating room looked like I because uh-huh. I don't remember getting wheeled in there. Yeah. I had a slight meniscus tear in high school and I was about to, like I was a senior in high school and I had to get this slight surgery. And I remember sitting in the little waiting room before the room with my mom and whoever, I, you know, the surgeon came in, said hi, da, da, da. And then someone else came in. They said, we're going to just give you a little something that's going to like start your body to relax before you get wheeled in. I, and I remember getting that shot in the IV. They set up your IV. They give you that little shot. And, you know, I remember leaving that room and like being wheeled and then I, and nothing. I don't and, e- <laughs> yeah, I don't even remember leaving the room. No, yeah, my uh but then the doctor said to my mom at the end of surgery, he goes, Well, first of all, your daughter's not a partier. Because <laughs> <laughs> she's out before I like could say me hi too. again. <laughs> yeah, they like, asked me. They're like, Oh, like, do you drink? A- <laughs> yeah, he was like, She's not a booze hound because she was taken out by that little shot. <laughs> you know what? It was funny because I was always wondering, why is the anesthesiologist saying if I drink alcohol? Mm-hmm. I'm like, not really. Yeah, my- well, now I know. Yeah, might have to do with how much anesthesia they got to give you. I remember looking at the clock and I was in the room prior and it was like 11. I remember nothing till I woke up in recovery and I looked at, there was a clock in front of me and it was 4.30 in the afternoon. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh my God. Like talking about. It's a weird, it feels like time travel. Because I'm a control freak. Like I had zero control. Like zero. Yeah. Whatever they gave me, Uh holy crap. That's all I'm going to say. You know what part? I haven't had many surgeries, but I've only had a couple. And the part that always makes me nervous is like you kind of wake up and someone goes, wiggle your toes. And I'm like, can I wiggle my toes? (laughs) Like like you have that moment where you're like, what if I can't wiggle them though? Like, Oh boy. And you're like nervous. You're like, what what happened? And it's just just a test of like how much you're still under. Yeah. You know what the crazy part is? I've had, I've had surgeries in the past. I mean, we all know that, but I always remember going into the operating room Mm -hmm. and putting myself on the operating room table and then they give you something. Mm -hmm. This was the first time that I do not even remember getting wheeled into the operating room. Yeah, I'm not small. I don't know how they got me on the table. Someone had to lift me. Tired. Crazy, crazy, crazy. So, uh, yeah. yeah, that's been my last couple of weeks. 
Oh, man. I mean, that's something it's like, I remember growing up, people getting hysterectomies, and it's it's a brutal recovery, but it's like, man, you thought, you know, it would be better <laughs> in 10 to 20 years or whatever, and it's like, no, it's still, that's just a tough one. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy, but mm-hmm. you know what? It's over with, it's all for the better, and life goes on. Yeah, it's a done deal. Done deal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, anyway, guys, thank you so much for sending your questions. We're going to get to a couple today. Uh, if you want to send us a question, you can email us at whatsupcuzpod at gmail.com. That's whatsupcuzpod at gmail.com. Okay, let's do this one first, a little short. It's called Relationship Age Gap. Hello, Lisa and Erica. Love the podcast. Here's my question. I'm in a relationship with someone 10 years older than me. I met him when I was 18 and we've been together for three years. I've been keeping it a secret from my parents and feared that they would think I'm crazy or just hate him in general. His parents love me, but I'm not sure about mine. We want to move in together and I don't know when to tell my parents. Should I tell them? Thanks. Well, I have to be honest. I don't think 10 years is that crazy of a, of a gap. But at 18, it's crazy. I would say. 18 and 28. I mean, yes and no. I have to be honest, Erica. I mean, I picture me at 18 years old, and I wasn't a typical 18-year-old. Mm-hmm. I was a very mature 18-year-old. I, you know, was in college double time because I wanted to graduate a year earlier so I could go out there and start making money. So, again, this question depends on the girl's maturity. Mm-hmm. Um, if she's anything like me, then 28 wasn't bad. I have to be honest because guys mature at a very slow pace. Uh So maybe, uh, an 18-year-old mature woman and a 28-year-old man is kind of like the same. Yeah, I get it. I mean, in both cases, it's going to depend on the person for sure. Because, you know, when I first read it, it it's like 10 years, my brain was like 28, 18, no. But the thing is, it's like, okay, you've been together for a few years, so it's not like it's this older guy manipulating and kind of, like, dicking you around, per se. You know what I mean? I get it. Like, that's the fear is, like, an older guy and, like, they know how to, like what moves to make and what things to say. But it's like, oh, this guy's been your boyfriend and you've met his parents? That makes me feel better about yeah. it. Yeah. Listen, if you gave me this question and she was 16 years old uh-huh. and he was 26, then... I'd be thinking differently. No? Okay. I would. I would be thinking differently. You're still in high school. Exactly. mm, Yeah. So I would definitely, I would be like, oh, what is this creep wanting with Mm -hmm. a 16-year-old? You know, but now, now you have to see it this way. They've been together a couple of years. She's probably a mature 18-year-old. He obviously is not screwing her around because they've been together a couple of years. Yeah. Now she's 21. Exactly. Like, I... I don't see anything wrong with it. I have to be honest. And she shouldn't be afraid to tell her parents, especially if they've known that she's been with him a they, couple of years. Yeah, they don't. That's a, Apparently, they don't know anything. According they don't to know anything. Well... She's been keeping it a secret. But again, she's now 21 years old. Right. And I, she's, she's, she's basically a woman on her own. Like, let's be honest. Um, I, don't, I don't think she should be afraid of telling her parents... You know, she should sit down with them and say, I've kept this from you for a couple of years because I didn't want you to get upset. So I don't want you to think this is a new relationship. Mm-hmm. This is a relationship that's been going on that unfortunately I kept from you because of the age gap. But now I'm 21 years old and I feel that we've been together a while and it's time for you to know that, you know, 
I love him. Obviously, if she's moving in with him, there's she sees a future with him. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a problem that she should definitely have that conversation with her parents. Do you feel like she should say, say it all in one convo? I do. You do? Okay. I do. I I'm think like... she should sit them down. <laughs> and like, I, don't know. I think she should tell the truth and nothing but the truth and don't mm. leave anything out. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, me, if this was me personally, I feel like I would just first be like that I've been dating someone and I didn't tell you because I thought you'd be mad about the age gap. I've met his parents. I, I, you know, it is a serious relationship. I want you to meet him, I think, is my, it would be my first my first toe in the water I would do. Yeah, that's, no. that's me. If it was me personally, I don't, I don't know if I'd have the guts to be like, and I'm going to move in with him and I I've hid it from you, you for three years. I think you need to shock the system. Really? Take it all in. And then they're gonna have to sleep on it, and as they're sleeping on it, they're they're thinking about every like. You have to understand, it's already a, a nerve wracking feeling mm-hmm. to have to even bring this subject up. Oh, for sure. Do you want to go through these nerves again to tell <laughs> them about moving in, or might as well just get it all out there in the beginning? No, but I I almost feel like I would let them meet him first, and then have him like go home, and then be like, "There's something else I need to tell you," but I. I wanted you to get a first impression and feel it out a little more. That would just right. be, that would be me. I would. All right, I could see it going that you way know? too. Cause I, I just, I, it's yeah. like, it can be like a lot. Yeah. Like at one time, you know, I get it. I could see your point of view too. I get yeah. it. Yeah. Cause if it was, I mean, I don't have kids, but I'm like, if it was my daughter, when they first told me, I would be like, why didn't you tell me? I feel like that's always, anytime I've told my parents something later, no matter how much later it was, whether it was three years or, you know, two weeks mm-hmm. later, the first response always, why didn't you tell me sooner? Like, you can always tell me anything. But, I mean, I get having that fear. Yeah, I, I totally get it myself, but... Mm. I mean, I, she absolutely should tell them she's dating this man before she just moves in with him. Oh, that's, 100%. That's, you're not going to, like, yeah. surprise situation of, like, what, just have him over for dinner and be like, oh, this is the man I live with that I've been dating. <laughs> like, you know, it's crazy, but... I don't know. I'm like, good luck. <laughs> good luck. I don't honestly. I don't think it's a big deal. I have to be honest. I'm trying to put myself in in the shoes of like my daughter. Let's just say. Yeah. Well, this is the other thing too. Of like, you know, different families have different dynamics. Our family's very. You're dating someone two months. We meet them. You know. Yeah. Other families are like, yeah. Unless you think you're gonna marry that person, like, don't bother. Exactly. So it might be her family's like that, and now that she's like, oh, okay, I really see myself being with this guy forever. How do I break the news to them? Yeah. I don't know. But because that's, that's what I was thinking. What if Sophia suddenly comes home from college in two years and it's like, I've been dating this guy who's 10 years older than me and I think I want to move in with him next year instead of like live on campus or whatever. Honestly, if if she's been dating him for a while and, and she feels something for him, I would support her 100%. I have to be honest. I, I would. But do you think it would be easy? Like, I don't think it's easy to just be like... Um. Listen, I I was raised completely different than the way I'm raising my kids. Mm -hmm. And I do truly believe, and believe it or not, my husband and I see the same way to get, like, we actually agree with this 100% together. So we feel that before anyone gets married, they actually should live together. Yeah, I agree with that. Because it's not like how... It was back in the day that Mm -hmm. marriages were set up and you just, whether you hate each other or not, (laughs) you make it work and there's no such thing as divorce. We don't see it that way. You know, marriage is something you have to work at. And 
you really don't know a person. You could say you do, and you probably know their outside portion of it, but you really don't know a person until you live with them. Mm -mm. And I think living together and, and learning to do things together and roles that people take on in the household matters. That is a big one, actually. And and if it's not, it's either going to break you or make you. And I'd rather know than go through the whole marriage process. Because marriage is sacred to us. I mean, we are we are Catholic and we go through the whole, you know, the whole thing. And of course, there's exceptions. Of course, people get divorced and, and things that you can't control in life. Mm -hmm. But if there's a way for them to really get to know each other and and and, and learn to live together prior to marriage, we are all for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm for it too. And actually, the divorce rate, 50%, has actually decreased for the first time in a long time. Because people are living together. That and also getting married a little later. That is true. So it's like kind of both. But I will say, even the back in the day couples that did live together... There's been a trend of like, say, dividing like household chores mm -hmm. <laughs> for women. Actually, if you don't live with your partner before, like you get married, you're actually more likely to take on more of the housework because there isn't, like you said, like a more kind of like division of roles in a way Yeah. of like, okay, our space and I'll do this and you do the trash and I'll do the laundry or like whatever. Exactly. And again, different rules different households mm -hmm. i'm a true believer if there's a man and a woman that work full-time jobs and they're never home and they're working then when it comes the weekend or time down the household shores have to be divided yeah. because why sh you know old mentalities are like oh the woman has to do this this is and this yeah no if the woman's also working full-time like the man is then the man and the woman have to do the laundry or the man and the woman have to cook and clean. Or, mm -hmm. And again, unless people live together and establish roles, you don't know. Oh yeah, And marriage don't. is tough already to begin with. Why not take care of the roles prior to marriage? Uh -huh. No, I agree with you. Because also when it was that the women took the housework, it's because they weren't working a 40-hour-a-week job or 60-hour-a-week exactly. job. Exactly. So that's also shown in all those studies. It's like, yeah, that system was designed of one person is working 40 hours a week and the other person isn't. <laughs> like, yeah. They weren't designed for we both work 40 hours a week and then one person just takes on all this extra work. Exactly. So. And listen, certain, like I said, different households, different circumstances. Yeah. I know, I you know, I've heard of people that, women and men that work 40 hour weeks but they happen to be working at home right which again if one's working at home and one's working out of the home mm -hmm. let's be honest um if i was working at home even though i was working a 40 hour week i could always throw a load of laundry in and right. you know i'm lucky enough to be working at home mm -hmm. you could sneak in uh cleaning the dishes in the sink yep. or throwing in a load of laundry because you're lucky enough to be working from home. Right. Yeah. You don't have the commute time. Exactly. <laughs> you can make up for it Exactly. Somewhere. So there's there's different circumstances in different households. Oh, and bottom line is whatever whatever works for the couple mm -hmm. is what works for the couple. You know? Yeah. I'd agree. Uh, another thing I thought of with this relationship question of like, it's that thing of, I have a friend who's a parent and her daughter like started having sex with her boyfriend. And basically she found out about it. The daughter didn't talk to her about it. And she was bummed that she didn't, the daughter didn't talk to her. Right. But she sat there and she went, well, it's not like I can stop what's happening. 
So you need to kind of like reroute and be like, okay, so how do we make this safe and okay? Yeah. It's kind of the same situation of like, she's already dating this guy. Like it's already moved down the road so far that Mm -hmm. it's like, if you try to say no and put a stop to it, it's like the Romeo and Juliet of like, this is just going to make it, you know, there's no stopping something that's already started. Yeah. Especially like young love. (laughs) Exactly. So let's, let's work on making sure everything is safe and Mm -hmm. you're doing everything the right way and move on in life. Yeah. Right. You know, I say to my kids all the time, my famous line is I might not like everything you're going to tell me, but I'd rather know so I can help you. Yeah. That's the way to go about it. So I like it. So good luck in this conversation. Yes. Good so. luck. Um, but I'll be rooting for you and yeah. I think you're going to do great. I'm like, rip off the bandaid. Uh, let us know how it goes. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, yeah. And if you guys want to email us any updates or any more questions, it's what's up cause pod at gmail.com. That's what's up cause P O D at gmail.com. And we will talk to you guys next week. Bye guys. Till next time. Bye.